Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where this week we'll be looking ahead to the event that's going to dominate markets, the headlines, and indeed the airwaves over the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means, of course, the EU referendum. Will we stay or will we go? And we'll catch up with Sir Philip Green's appearance before MPs at the House of Commons, which did have its moments of pure theatre. Did you, sir, do you mind not looking at me like that all the time? It's really disturbing. Sorry? No, you just want to stare at me. It's just uncomfortable. Put your glasses back on. You look better with your glasses on. We'll talk more about that later. I'm joined by Richard Fletcher, the business editor of The Times, Philip Aldrich, our economics editor, and Catherine Griffiths, the banking editor of The Times. Welcome to you all. It's been billed as the once-in-a-generation decision, and after months, some might even say years, of talking about it, polling day is just around the corner. This is how the Prime Minister made his pitch on the BBC, talking to Andrew Marr. There's a deep piece of common sense here. I just want to take a moment to set it out. In the single market, we get free access to 500 million consumers. That's crucial for our economy. It's where almost half of what we sell goes. If we have less good access, which we would if we left, obviously that's going to impact our economy. That will impact our car makers, our aeroplane makers, the service industries. I mean, looking behind us at that enormous industry on the wall of the, uh, mm. of the London Financial Centre. So if we restrict our access, we will be less well off. And that obviously affects what we can spend on public services. There's no saving from leaving the EU, there's a cost. And my message is very clear, which is don't risk it. Richard, starting with you, it's been a tough case for the government to make, but particularly markets do seem to be increasingly concerned about the uncertainty that this is creating and definitely a a, a volatile few days for investors and market makers ahead. I'm not sure that's entirely true. If you look at, uh, I mean, if you look at the UK equity market to start with uh, against uh, its peers. I mean, UK equities have, have sort of tracked the movement large. I mean, there's been a little bit of divergence, but they have they have tracked the movements in global equity markets pretty pretty much. So I, I'm not expecting a huge amount on in terms of equities. I mean, you would see some sectors would be hit. So uh, no doubt uh, house builders would be sold off on, on fears that the London property market could be hit. And we would definitely see banks and asset managers singled out. But actually, from a Brexit, in terms of individual stocks, there could be some beneficiaries because if you look at, you know, we've got lots of companies in the FTSE 100 particularly, which have uh, high export bases, but then as they, you know, as as their earnings are transferred back into the pound, they'd actually see a boost. So some of the tobacco stocks have been 
been tipped as possible uh, stocks that could benefit uh, Diageo, Reckitt Benkiza, Unilever. Those are stocks which would actually benefit from a lower pound. So I, I think in terms of individual stocks, yes, you could see some stocks, individual stocks that could be hit. And the FTSE 250, I think there might be a a different picture but if you look at the FTSE 100 it's it has traded in the run-up to this pretty much in line with its global peers so I'm not sure we'd see a huge bounce if we if we if we if we vote to remain and I'm not sure how deep the sell-off would be uh, if we vote to leave so I I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced. I mean, Sterling, that's obviously a slightly different picture, and, and I suspect Phil will have something to stay on that. Um, and obviously, after the height of the financial crisis, we did see, uh, partly because we're obviously, as a country, we're more exposed to banks, and our banks were particularly over-leveraged. We did obviously see the pound was particularly hard hit as we sort of uh, a flight away from the pound after the financial crisis. So maybe Sterling will be different. But actually, in terms of equities, I'm sure it'll be a bumpy few days. Uh, and I'm sure you may see some quite sharp movements the day after, but I think in the in the shorter term, you know, in, in more than a few days, I'm not sure it, it would be as dramatic as some people believe. We'll have to see, Fletch. I, I mean, certainly the foreign exchange markets are going to are going to uh, take a hammering if we well the pound is going to take a hammering if we vote for Brexit. You know, people talk about uh, city rate strategists talk about one dollar twenty uh, to the pound or less parity with the euro, and uh, you can see the vulnerability is is very apparent because obviously the current account deficit is seven percent at the last count. This is basically a measure of how much foreign capital we need in the UK to balance our books. If if we do any Anything to deter that, we will effectively be because we're spending seven percent more of GDP than than we're earning in this country. We'll be effectively selling the pound just uh, just by continuing to operate as we as we have been. So that so that will that will be a hit. And then there is the sort of effect of whether we are able to attract the investment that we have been attracting. And if we aren't, then there is there are questions about the sort of economic capacity of the of the country, which could have an impact on the asset markets, house prices or or equities. There's loads of different um, pieces of analysis and estimates uh, on this. Uh, so it might be relatively uh, calm as Fletch seems to be painting but it could it could be it could be more dramatic it, it absolutely could do but we always there's always a tendency in in these scenarios to to to, to over exaggerate and no doubt you can play this clip back to me in two weeks when we've uh voted to leave and and markets have collapsed and we're, we're you know uh you can embarrass me then so maybe i have got it wrong and but i just i just think the tendency is always to to, to over exaggerate what the effect may be and i'm sure it, you're absolutely right i think in in forex markets it there could be quite a dramatic reaction i'm just not sure in equities that that, 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 that there will be well huh? with so many of the uh, FTSE 100 are foreign based mining companies so I, I mean FTSE 100 I don't think will have that dramatic yeah. impact as you said the FTSE 250 is more likely to Catherine oh well banks reflect the economy don't they so either we'll have a you know not much of an effect or perhaps a very big effect I certainly think that Barclays in particular is in a tricky position because it's the biggest has the biggest exposure to investment banking and so the point about how much people do still want to trade and invest in the UK obviously will have a bigger impact on them but probably really for the banks they're already going through much more tricky fundamental changes which is which are ring fencing roles rules which means they have to break themselves up and that's actually probably in some ways a bigger a bigger thing for them than brexit 
In terms of the banks? Or in terms yes, of... in terms of the banks. I mean, they, they do seem to have been rather quiet on this. Do you think they're slightly nervous about seeing us as, as, as entering into the debate at all? Or... Oh, I know. I think they're, they're incredibly nervous. I had uh, breakfast this week with a chairman of one of the big banks who was, in, you know, all he wanted to talk about was um, Brexit in Europe and he'd been campaigning. And So I think they are really, really nervous, and, and rightly so, because they are one of the sectors that would be particularly hard hit. Philip, looking at the case for, if you like, the other side that they've made about coming out and there's always this 350 billion we see the, the figure bandied around i mean 350 million a week uh, 350 uh, million well why not that we send over yeah, to the that we send over the to EU. the eu yes, there's been criticism of both sides hasn't there that neither of them are really economically literate i i kind of think of it as uh, leave seem to be outright lying and remain seem to be um, producing a lot of distorted numbers so uh, of the two you probably go with distortion over lies but the three the 350 million number has been discredited i mean they, they're, they're now changing the way they talk about it so that the 350 million it represents the overall money uh, that technically is supposed to be sent to brussels we never actually send that amount because we get a rebate before we even send it so that's why it's particularly misleading but um the numbers that the treasury has produced as well are, are just so questionable in their their precise estimate of four thousand three hundred pounds a person a household hit uh, by 2030 the treasury has a track record of not being able to predict anything 15 months in the future let alone 15 years in the future and a lot of its assumptions are based on the sort of second round effects on productivity that uh, reduction in trade will have but then the assumption that there will be a reduction in trade is is also questionable uh, so the economics of this you can actually cling on to is the short-term hit is that there will probably be a fall in sterling that there will be a period of uncertainty there will be question marks over investment levels and spending levels during that period and we probably will have the best part of a year of sort of uh, a little bit of an economic wobble everything beyond that is not quite it's not quite clear I, I think that when you talk to sort of business and obviously there are a variety of opinions but there does seem to be real anger among some sort of senior business people about some of the claims on the on the leave side about the money we supposedly send to Brussels and also on immigration. But then actually on the other side, there seems to be, well, anger stroke kind of just disbelief at the, um, the idea of this um, punishment budget that Osborne has mooted now. So whichever side prevails, there'll, be a, there'll need to be a real kind of mending of fences. Everyone seems to have annoyed everyone else really just on that on immigration business does have a real issue here as lord rose discovered in the in the first days of the campaign and he's been slightly uh, missing ever since but because you know business wants open borders and immigration because it means uh, it drives down wages and it means they don't have to train train workers that quite understandably angers people and that that's the problem for business on immigration in that they they have a very logical argument about why they'd like open borders but it's quite a, it's quite a hard argument to sell to the general public. Bridget, can I just ask you, there's been a lot of talk about it, but how would the City of London fare if voters were to say we want out of the European Union? Well, no one really knows, and you could argue that um, if we do vote to leave, uh, uh, Europe will punish us because they'll desperately want to take a, send a message to any other countries which might be thinking or, or, or the populations of other countries that might be thinking of leaving and there are elections in, in many of the major European countries. In 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Coming months. So you could argue that they will they will make life as difficult as possible for us. Uh, so, but, so no one really knows. It, it, you know, Deutsche Bank, uh, you know, employ thousands of people here. Are they going to pull them all back to Germany? No. Uh, you know, are they, are they going to have to pull some of them back? Who knows? I mean, so it's, it's, it is difficult to know. Um, and, the, you know, w- London is the financial centre of, of Europe for a number of reasons, uh, some of which is to do with being part of the European Union, some of it is simply because of where we are in the world. We sit between Asia and uh, the US. Some of it is because we have a, a, a respect of uh, property and rights so there's you know numerous and, and 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 you know when I first started my career in journalism 20 years ago it was on a property magazine and I remember one of the uh, features that I wrote was whether Frankfurt was going to overtake the city of London well uh, that didn't happen then maybe it will happen now but um, you know so so it's this is long been a long debate but, but it's very difficult to tell I mean Phil, Phil might be better on that I just think uh, that everything that we've heard from both sides is an exact will be an exaggeration the if we if we stay in sorry if we leave what the remain uh, camp are claiming is is definitely exaggerated if we but then but then the leave campaign on issues such as immigration they they don't have a they haven't got actually a clear argument i mean there there's boris johnson arguing for he says he's he's positive on immigration i.e. there's not going to be you know he, we could end up with 200,000 just as is predicted under the uh, ons forecasts that potentially could be better for the economy if we control the people that come in uh, because we we don't um, undercut wages so much it's very hard to actually understand exactly what the leave position is on as a coherent idea on many of these issues and they completely ignore often they have been completely ignoring the fact that uh, there would be some short-term disruption to the economy that would probably offset the gain of re- recovering this net 8 to 10 billion that we send to Brussels every year. Just to pick fill up on that, I, they may not have articulated it very clearly but deliberately, but I think Leave have been understanding completely what their view is on immigration and that's how they believe they're going to win this. I mean, this hasn't been a debate about our... But role in Europe. I mean, look at the poster that uh, Nigel Farage, Farage yeah, uh, unveiled on Thursday. But he's still part of the camp. I know he's not part of the official campaign, but you know, this has been the, the, the Leave campaign has tapped into 
certain parts of the country's fears about immigration. I mean, you know, they've tapped into the fear, but they haven't actually set out what, what they're going to do. There's you've got Gove talking about, yes, we're going to get immigration down to tens of thousands. And you've got Boris Johnson suggesting that we, you know, we want to be a multi, we want to be a plural, multicultural society, just as we are today with, with potentially just, you know, as many immigrants. So the, the, the point is that they, they what they're trying, they're trying to have their cake and eat Absolutely. it, just as Boris has always tried yeah. to do. And it's, it's misleading for the, for the people as they go into the referendum because they don't re- all they know is that there is this kind of uh, intangible uh, idea about sovereignty which which is fueling this desire and 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 unfortunately the remain camp haven't haven't really made it a, a strong uh, strong case well we're building a consensus here and of course don't forget actually get out and vote june the 23rd we're going to take a short break now but when we return we'll be looking at whether mps were satisfied with sir philip green's testimony or not the times business podcast is sponsored by vodafone's ready business britain 2016 has been branded the year of the sme this is your year time for your business to stand out are you ready vodafone's ready business britain in association with the times and sunday times has all the advice insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. Now, Parliament has staged many spectacles in its times, but the long-awaited appearance of Sir Philip Green to face MPs looking into the collapse of beer at chess, this is how it started off anyway. It didn't need to be like this, and I just want to apologise to all the BHS people who've been involved in this and are involved, and I hope that by the end of the morning um, they'll hear everything and we can find some sensible solutions to some of the issues. Richard, you know Sir Philip well and you actually watched his performance throughout. How did you rate it and where does he go from here? Uh, well, I'm not sure how I rate it, really. I mean, th- immediately afterwards, uh, Philip and his advisers, well, I, did, I spoke to his advisers actually immediately afterwards, but th- they seemed to think it had gone pretty well. I'm not sure that he still felt that uh, after they read the press this morning. Uh, I mean, it's difficult to say how did it go because, you know, if you know Philip, it could have been a lot worse. But uh, and I think some of it, there were some tactics there. I mean, we've played that clip about, will you stop staring at me? I, I kind of feel that, I mean, maybe I'm too cynical, but I kind of feel that was deliberate because it just meant the headlines this morning were about that rather than one, other, one of the, some of the more serious points. And he was very good at... Uh, stalling for time I mean he, w- w- there was one moment where someone asked him who the value was and he sort of spent a few minutes looking through the papers and then said Savills I mean you know Philip would have known that I mean uh, that was just a purely about slowing the pace down and and some of the sort of comments I just in a way felt he was he'd been coached rightly or wrongly to sort of uh, to do that and and sort of to slow it down and uh, but I thought the MPs did very well I thought the um comment from one of the MPs about uh, Philip being thin-skinned uh, was probably very true. So it was... The, the problem was, that I felt, was that you had MPs who really did understand the what they wanted to find out, and they understood uh, they understood what they were talking about, and they'd have five or ten minutes of really good questions that really put Philip a bit on the ropes, and then you'd sort of tag-team to someone who, uh, to be polite, perhaps wasn't as well-briefed and, you know, he's sort of like a boxer. He sort of, you know, he could take a breather and then, you know, at least, temp- at least you know, calm down a little bit and then come back. So, you know, uh, f- I-, I felt it was a, 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 you know, it could have been a lot worse. Catherine? I thought what was really frustrating was that Philip didn't allow anyone to properly ask their questions and he kept interrupting and was very obstructive. And I kept wanting the two chairs of the of the session to say to him in a sort of polite but firm way that 
in that context, it was the MPs who asked the questions and perhaps that might have led to Sir Philip walking out. But that was the purpose of the event. And when I think to other parliamentary sessions and particularly the banks and the kind of really sort of harsh questions that they get and that and and should get in that environment but just sort of sit there and take it it the contrast was great richard yeah one thing i do think i would like to say is you know these hearings you know i think they're quite damaging for business and uh, you know somebody does believe that the vast majority of businesses do good for the you know for society and the country you know i do think you know, Philip is not your typical chief executive. Mike Ashley is not your typical chief executive. Um, I'd, I'd argue that some of the banks we saw up in front of the select committee weren't uh, representative of the people I've met in the city over the last decades. And, I, and in a way, it saddens me that that, in a, you know, like uh, The Apprentice, is people form their view of business people based upon these few cases and um I, that is sad you know i do find that sad but but you know uh, it was bruising uh, for everybody it was painful to watch at times uh, it made for quite good tv but you know let's not forget there are eleven thousand people twenty thousand pensioners who you know really do deserve answers and hopefully you know this uh, this select committee was about learning lessons from bhs to apply to pensions generally and hopefully we won't lose sight of that and it won't just become about a sort of sideshow of you know sound bites from from mps and uh, colorful quotes from uh, from colorful entrepreneurs uh, he was blaming everybody else he would say um, I'm, I'd, I, I could blame others, but I'm not going to. And then he'd go on to blame Goldman Sachs for their failure to vet Chappelle properly. He blamed Towers Watson, or whoever the pension advisors were, for failing to give the pension trustees properly proper advice on the pension. You know, and he he went through a, a list of um, a, a list of personnel that you know ha- bore responsibility for it. And um, you're right about uh, these committees, Fletch. On the they don't tend to get to. Th- to reveal an awful lot of um, stuff, which is, which is, you know, potentially valuable to the, you know, pursuit of, you know, what actually happened in these in these circumstances. The best one I've ever come across was one of the banking ones that was a subcommittee on HBOS, that, and they were, and they actually had a QC who was leading the questions, uh, and then, uh, and he would be interspersed with some of the politicians who were, who would then back up the QC with questions. But they came with an, it was, it was, it was. Uh, forensic. They would come in with a complete strategy of how they were going to question and interview these individuals, just as if they were on the stand in uh, the old Bailey or something. And they got information out of them, and they got and they and they, and they discovered stuff. And un- unfortunately, it didn't really feel like there was an awful lot of discovery with Philip Green, which is which is why the politicians said that they they said afterwards that they actually want a lot more documentary stuff, and that they even said that Philip managed to dodge a whole lot of questions, which certainly seemed to me to be the case. He dodged them, but as he would say, he did so very respectfully. <laughs> yeah. Both those topics are going to run and run. That's just about it for now. But remember, you can keep up to date with all the news and, of course, the referendum results and updates as we have them. That's online and in the paper, of course. If you're a Time subscriber, take the opportunity to sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime business emails. And if you don't have a subscription, go to thetimes.co.uk where there's a special offer. And if you want to hear us weekly, subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Catherine Griffiths, Richard Fletcher and Philip Aldrich. They're all on Twitter, so please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.